Hello friends! Hi! It is 6 o'clock on Sunday, which of course you know means this is Office Hours with Kate Lumpkin. Um, it's been a couple weeks. I'm so sorry I was, uh, I was globe-trotting. I was in Greece last Sunday, uh, and the Sunday before that I was also traveling, and it's just been a crazy busy time, but I'm here now. So it's 6 o'clock on Sunday. Per usual, I'm here to take any questions you might have about anything really, but definitely about the industry, um, any questions you might have about it conditioning, about uh, where you're at in your career, about literally anything I'm here to take them. Um, as I like to say always at the start of office hours, please take my advice with a grain of salt. If it resonates with you, awesome. If it doesn't, let it go and turn this video off. I am not here to tell you I am a master of anything. I simply consider myself an educated peer and I have some insight to something that I know a lot of people want some insight to and I think we should all be able to have access to that insight because this isn't some sort of magical book. It's not some sort of magical text that only certain people should have access to. I think everyone should. So, um, I'm here and I'll keep talking until I get my first question. Um, you know, for those of you who uh, don't you know, kind of follow my stuff and follow what I'm doing, I created this awesome program, and I'm not saying it's awesome because I created it, I'm saying it's awesome because of the people who are a part of it. Um, this awesome new program called the Slate Society, which uh, launched with a new kind of initiative of summer cohorts. Well, this one is summer, I guess it's cohorts in general, but the first one is this first summer cohort, which is this awesome group of 10 artists uh, who are musical theater performers who are coming together for a series of three classes, which is uh, awesome because it's the same group of people getting to work together multiple times, getting to know each other on a personal and intimate level, uh, and learning more about the audition process. So it's a three three class, three kind of workshop experience where we do uh, initial auditions for a season in the first class, the second class is about callbacks for a season, and the last kind of class is a backyard barbecue with me uh, and some special guests. We have an agent and a manager and a photographer and uh, entrepreneur Matt Roden, who's amazing, coming, uh, and we're doing kind of private one-on-ones and kind of a, a open Q&A with a lot of people, uh, which is awesome. And we had a great group this first time. Our first cohort of 10 is killing it. We had our first meeting last week and they were amazing um, and I can't wait to start signups for the second group so if you have any questions about that feel free to reach out to me um, we're trying to start a movement of informed and open conversation between artists uh, and between people of different crafts and different careers in the entertainment industry um, and for those of you who don't really hang out with me and know me in this capacity, I'm really kind of an open book and an open door. And that is the kind of environment I'm trying to create in my uh, workshops. So if you're interested in that at all, oh, I have a comment here. Um, if you're interested in learning any more about that, uh, feel free to go to my website, which is www.kate-lumpkin.com. Um, and there's all sorts of information about the Slate Society and my workshops and any of that. So the only reason I'm talking about that is, one, I um, don't have any questions. Oh, I do have one question. Ben, I'm going to get to your question in a second. Um, the reason that I was talking about that is because I wanted to start this day by talking about something that came up in one uh, in that original uh, first Slate Society cohort class this week. It was pretty great. I had someone come up and... Um, and perform and do their thing and they were awesome and wonderful and we were talking and they said something along the lines of, well, I'm going into audition for a season and uh, so when I come in, I'm like thinking about all these things, thinking about all the different characters I could be playing in this season, thinking about like 
all these different things that I could be trying to be multiple things for you and blah, blah. And all I heard was, I'm trying to be multiple things for you, AKA me, the casting director. And I had this real like, Ugh, moment uh, when that happened in the class because I, I just kind of wanted to reach out and say, let me do my job. You do your job and let me do mine. My job is to look at you and see all of the potential and all the possibilities. I am the person, and this is just something I want to be really clear about with people when they're coming into the room. My job is to communicate with the entire creative team and try to evaluate what their vision is. Because what you think hair might be, might be totally different for this person's vision, right? Like, the Pippin revival was like nothing we've ever seen before because it was someone's specific vision. When the creative team talks to me, they say what they're looking for, they give this kind of idea, they do all sorts of different things, right? And my job is to understand their vision and be able to bring people who might be able to do that thing into the space. Now, for an open call day, I've discussed the vision with them, right? And you don't necessarily know it. So the only thing that you can do is be yourself with your text, right? Because then it's my job to see the potential of what you could be for this specific creative team's vision. And so it's this, this reminder to everyone who comes into an audition room. You do your job. Let me do mine. This is my craft. The other thing you have to remember, like, casting is an apprentice-based business, right? Like, I can't go to school to learn how to do this job. This job is about understanding text, having a point of view, being able to communicate with creative teams, being able to assess and evaluate talent and to be able to kind of put, be like a matchmaker. I am basically Dolly Levi, right? And that's not something that you can learn in school. It's a craft. Just like what you do is a craft. Now there are some schools that teach what you do, but how you take those skills and apply them to your work, that's your craft. What's not your craft is worrying about all the bullshit in the room that's, that's you know, not stuff you can control or stuff that you understand, right? Like, you don't know what the director's specific vision of this piece is. You don't know what the costume designer is looking for. You don't know any of these things, right? And at the same time, I do. Hopefully, if the creative team has done their job right before casting, hopefully I have an idea of specifics of what they're looking for. You have no idea what their version of Ariel and the Little Mermaid is going to look like. You just don't. And we try to be specific in breakdowns, right? But at the same time, we want our breakdown language to be open in most cases so that there is room for interpretation so that we do get submissions that are different and interesting. If it's something super specific, right, if we're looking for like a 44-year-old African-American person who identifies as female and speaks with a Baltimore accent, right, like hopefully our breakdown is super specific. However, it's, if it's something that's like a little more open to interpretation, my goal as a CD is to be able to get as many cool people into the space and as many cool people as possible to submit to me, people that I maybe don't even know. And in order to do that, I've got to be a little bit open. So of course, how in the hell, right, do you have any idea how to please everybody in that space? You can't, because the other truth is throughout the day, visions change. We meet someone and we're like, holy biscuits, this person is incredible, right? And visions change. We make, we make changes in the space, we make changes in the room. So there's just absolutely no way to please everybody. And if your brain is focused on pleasing anyone behind that table, the last person that you will please is yourself.
And I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, if I'm sharing my heart and I'm sharing my soul and I'm trying to be creative and I'm trying to do good work, I do want to please myself. Otherwise, like, I should go do something else. Now, I only want to talk about this and bring this up because I hear this all the damn time. And you just have to remember that in this industry, we all have separate crafts and they are so specific and so intricate and the rules change all the time for everybody's thing. An agent's craft is something I could never do. I don't know the rules. I don't know the lingo. I don't know the jargon. I don't know the specifics. An actor's craft is so specific and lovely and different and individual and personal. My craft is also something that I'm still learning. It will never end. The learning never ends, right? So why would I try to figure out what to make my actor, you know, when they come into the space? Hopefully, if I need them to um, change something, to do something, to, to if I want to massage it, to try to get it to a place that's going to be useful to somebody else in the space, that is also part of my craft. Again, let me do that job. You come in prepared to do what you do, and that's it. Because the truth is you cannot please everybody in that space because the MD is not going to like someone that the casting director likes, that the director knows somebody, blah, 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 blah. We've all heard that story, right? So don't make it about pleasing me. Don't make it about pleasing anybody because the reality is only you go home with you at night. Only you put your head on the pillow at night. So focus on that focus on your work, just like I'm going to focus on mine. Because I say this all the time, and this is true. If I need to be the enemy in your story, I'll be it. Casting directors so often in movies and in plays and stuff, we're like eating chips and we're the worst and all we're doing is sitting there and judging you and fine, fine. Like every story has to have a villain. And if I need to be the villain in your story so that you feel um, like like validated that you came in and you did the best art that you could, I will be the villain in your story as long as that means you came in and you did do the best art that you could. However, I also want to point out the reality that like we're not the villain of your story. That is a, that we are all storytellers in this industry and Actors tend to have the loudest voices, I think, in this industry, which makes sense because your names are the ones on the marquee, right? So you're, the stories that you tell are usually loudest and last the longest. And I think lots of times when we don't get things that we want, we need to find someone to blame. Um, and it's okay. You can make it me. I'm fine. I sleep very well at night. Um, but I just want to encourage everyone to take a beat, do your job, let me do mine, and I will be better at it because I feel like you are trusting me to do my craft. And you're not telling me how to do it, which is what a presentational performance in an audition does. It is trying to tell me how to do my craft, trying to tell the creative team how to do their craft. And that's kind of pointless. It is. So walk into the space knowing that if you need a scapegoat, I'm willing to be it. However, you don't need a scapegoat because all you have to do is prepare your work, do your job, and let us do ours. Now, I know this wholeheartedly. There are different types of people. There are different types of rooms. 
they're kind people, they're aggressive people, they're old people, they're young people, they're black people, they're white people. There are people from all walks of life and all realities. And you never, ever, ever know what space you're going to walk into or what energy you're going to walk into. And I honor that wholeheartedly. But back it up, flip it, and reverse it. We never know what's walking into our space either. That audition room is the wild, wild west, y'all. We never know what's going to come through the space, what energy is going to come in and affect us, what's going to happen. You know, we have to wait and wait and wait, and then someone comes into the space, and it is like a blur of emotion. Sometimes it's super grounded. Sometimes it's super off the charts. Sometimes it's weepy. Sometimes it's angry. Sometimes people are, like, touching our readers. There's all sorts of stuff happening. So we have to understand that that space is full of energy. It's full of uh, emotions. It's full of heightened levels. We're talking about money. We're talking about commercial theater. We're talking about people's jobs, livelihoods. We're watching people perform emotional work, oftentimes with music, which only heightens emotions. Like that space is full of crazy. You come in for about two minutes of it. The creative team, including myself, sits there for six hours of it, eight hours of it. We have to also be open emotional vessels for you in that space. And sometimes people handle that differently than other people. And so I would hope that you honor that the people in the room are going to live different kind of lives, express their emotions in different ways. And just because they might be more aggressive or they might be cold or they might, uh, you know, I don't throw things. They should never throw things. You know what I mean? But we have to defend our senses just as much as you have to defend yours. We have to put on our armor to protect ourselves for six hours, eight hours of time, just as much, if not more, as someone who has to come in for two minutes. Now, that's not me trying to negate or diminish the work that actors are doing. Please don't mishear me. The work that you do is soul-bearing work, and I appreciate it so deeply. But... You have to understand as well, we're sitting there completely unarmed, open and willing and ready to watch art, and people respond to that in different ways. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, I'm not seeing any questions. I am seeing some very kind things. Thank you so much. Hey, Sherry Sanders, I'm really glad you're watching this. Oh, Nate, wow, that is so generous. You are such a kind human. Um, these are all very kind things. And I am going to continue talking on this topic, but I do want to remind everyone, if you have questions, please, please, please feel free to write them in the comments below. Um, I, I have some thoughts this week because Slate Society is really educating me as well. This is why I love doing the Slate Society because it is really a much more kind of open, communicative space where we do Q&As at the beginning and the end of each session. People talk, people give, you know, people don't give their feedback, but they ask lots of questions which lead to really positive feedback, I think, positive changes. Um, so I really did have some thoughts this week and I'm going to continue to share them, but please, if you do have questions, feel free to send me a private message or write it in the comments below. I did want to say one other thing about um, when you are coming into an audition, perhaps for multiple shows in a season. Um, 
part of what we work on in the Slate Society and our cohorts is just this, is how do I decide which version of myself I'm going to be when I'm going in for four wildly different shows in one season? Um, or even if it's like I'm going in for one show where there are multiple parts that I think I can play in that show. How do I pick the right music? How do I pick the right thing to wear? How do I show up and show that I can do multiple things, be multiple people, be everything? And my answer to that is stop it. Just stop it. Like, at the end of the day, it is not your job to be all people. It's not. It's not your job to be all people. Contrary to popular belief, Meryl Streep cannot be all people. She can be most people, but she cannot be all people. So at some point, um, my thought is we talk a lot about through line. We talk a lot about finding your through line, the things that make you you, finding your worldview and figuring out how those things that make you you make you a unique storyteller. Make your perspective and the way that you read text, the way that you communicate text, different than anybody else waiting in that line. Good news, no matter what, it will be different from everybody else waiting in that line. However, when we're talking about that kind of um, communication that I have with a creative team, right, it's about whether your worldview matches the vision of, of this team. So what I would say is if you're going in for a show where you feel like there are multiple roles, like you're going into an open call, right, and you think there are multiple roles that you might be right for, or you're going in for like a multi-seasonal audition, um, or sorry, a multi-show in a season audition, um, I think you just sing the thing that is truest to yourself, truest to the work that you want to be doing, truest to the music style that resonates best with you, truest to the way that you can get grounded into your body, and then honor the actual world of the show that you're auditioning for. So if that's one show, right, like if it's one show that um, you feel like there are multiple parts in that you could do, find appropriate material that best showcases the most grounded, interesting, thoughtful, specific worldview of yourself, but then vocalize uh, and honor the world of that piece of theater. Because really, that's kind of what it all is, right? Like, at the end of the day, if we look at any actor, we can see a consistent through line of self, even in someone like Daniel Day-Lewis, who you don't even know you're looking at Daniel Day-Lewis half the time, right? There is still a consistent voice through all of these things. What he does, what anyone who we think is just like, no, amazing does, is honor the world of the text. Honor that the text knows what it's doing. Don't think you're smarter than the text. The second you think you're smarter than the text, you don't work in the world. This is the other note we talked a lot about in Slate Society this week, is the second that you, uh, you think you are smarter or more interesting than the text that you were reading is the second you lose it. And this is why I talk to a lot of actors about how sometimes you might be too smart for the industry. If you're thinking about it too much, if you think you're better than the text, if you think you're smarter than it, you cannot live in that world. How, if you believe that you are better in some way than the text, do you honestly believe that you can live in that space? You can't. You can't go in with a judgment of a character. You can't go in thinking you are above the character. 
you can think you might make different choices in the character in real life, but you cannot fundamentally think you know something the text doesn't because you don't or that you are better than the text because you're not. If you want to be in that production, that's something that you have to know. So those are just a couple of things that I uh, really got out of this week as a as a facilitator of these cohorts, um, I constantly find, you know, as a teacher, you'll be taught, like, they knew what they were talking about, King and I is real. Um, I feel like I learn more about being a human from being a facilitator of these groups than uh, I could ever have hoped for. So um, that is my kind of 20-minute spiel at the top of this experience. Um, I just, oh, hey, Rachel Berger, shout out to the Artist Co-op. If you don't know about the Artist Co-op, you absolutely need to type it in right now into Facebook or into the Google and figure it out. It's like a cool uh, community workspace for artists. They've got great rehearsal rooms. You can sign up for your rehearsal rooms on an app. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to talk on the phone. Um, you can do drop-in days. It's basically like a WeWork space for artists. We've all been craving it. We've all been talking about it. And it's finally come into fruition. Thanks to the most amazing woman, Rachel Berger. You should absolutely check out the Artist Co-op. Um, I'll put a link to it in the comments after this live stream, so look for it. Um, hey, girl, I hope you're doing well. So it looks like I have one question here. What is the process of building a new theater company? I'm going to take a sip of my tea before I, before I answer this. Mm. It's really hot. Woof! Okay. Ah. Um, so, okay, then that is a big question. Um, and it's something that I've never done before. I have not started. Started. I'm lisping now because of this tea. Burnt my tongue. Um, I have not started my own theater company. I have started my own companies. Um, Kate Lumpkin Casting is my own company, and Slate Society is kind of a new endeavor. Um, and I've worked with some theater companies and, and lots of um, entrepreneurs and, and individual business people, but I do not have all the answers for the process of building a new theater company. Um, I think the first thing that you really should have if you're going to start any sort of endeavor in uh, in this industry is a very specific point of view. There are a lot of theater companies in this city, a lot of wonderful theater companies, but I will say the most successful theater companies, in my opinion, have artistic directors with very specific points of view who 100% want to make that point of view come across by getting writers with that, with their, you know, agenda on board, new writers, new voices, interesting perspectives on the world, plays and musicals that tell us something about the perspective and the point of view of the theater itself and beyond. So I think that for me is the most uh, important part of starting a theater company is why do you want to tell stories and what stories are important to the people who will be telling them in your space. Uh, and then the next important thing is to hire a business coach who can teach you how to make a kick-ass business plan because business plans are important. If you don't make them, and this goes for any artist, any actor, any artist, just a reminder, you are a business. Ain't nobody gonna do it for you. And I wake up every morning and work on this because ain't nobody gonna do it for me. Um, and the people who are most successful, hell yeah, Pete, uh, the people who are most successful are the ones who take the time to write out a business plan, even if that business plan is for your life. 
is for your life, honey. What are my goals? What are my objectives? What are my financial objectives? How am I going to achieve those? What are my money makers? What are my passion projects? How many people do I need to hire? What space am I gonna be working in? All of these things are very important. I took a wonderful course online called B-School. For my uh, entrepreneurs out there, it is kind of more for women, but I feel like anybody could get something tremendous out of B-School. Marie Forleo started it, and um, B-School is a fantastic way to evaluate who you are as an entrepreneur, which every actor in this city is an entrepreneur. Hello, you do not have a steady paycheck coming in, you have lots of hustle, you have to work hard, you have to have a strong identity, you have to have a social media presence, you have to have the tools, you have to budget. That is called being a business. Clap it out with me. You are a business. And unfortunately, nine times out of ten, your school didn't teach you crap about how to be a business. So you better find a way, you better find a way to educate yourself on how to be a better business person. I made a personal investment in B-School. It was some of the best money I spent. It taught me how to make a brand identity. It taught me how to uh, communicate the things that I was passionate about. It taught me how to make a business plan, which is working PS, which, thank you, Lord, I appreciate that so much. So it's something to look into. If B-School is not your jam, there are lots of places online to figure out how to make a strong business plan for who you are. And for every artist who's out there watching or listening on the podcast version of this, um, I really cannot tell you enough how important it is to acknowledge that you are not only an artist, but you are also a business person. The second you left educational theater, you became a business professional. And do not forget it. Do not forget it. You are not just an artist anymore. You are a business professional. And it's important that you have the tools and the skill set to do both. Because most of my audience lives in New York City. And even if you don't, if you live in another metropolitan area and you're creating theater, you know you got bills. You've got bills to pay. Tony Award winners pay their electric just like everybody else. So at some point, it's really important for you to do that. Um, ben, you have a follow-up. I was hoping to explain my Facebook show and collaborate with other companies. Awesome. Um, I think that's totally great. Your show is really cool. Your show is really specific. It has a great point of view. Um, absolutely, I think, again, one of the things that you should really be looking for is deciding who it is that you're, you want to reach out to, who are companies that your specific point of view might make a difference to, um, and take the time to really create a strong business plan, be able to write out what you do. Again, every actor here as well, just a reminder, you know, in business we talk about like the elevator pitch, which is like, oh, what do you do? What do you sell? And you should be able from the ground floor to the floor you're going to to be able to describe it very pithily, intelligently, and eloquently. Um, and every actor should be able to do that as well. It's really important. Um, I'm not saying you're not allowed to change your worldview. It changes every day. Last night, my worldview changed drastically. And that's fine. It's allowed to happen. But you still need to be able to talk about what kind of art is important to you, what kind of stories you feel like you are good at telling, you want to tell, what kind of stories other people are telling that you want to be a part of. If you don't want to be a part of this thing that you're in right now anymore, you better be able to communicate what you do want because you never know who you're going to meet. So creating a business plan for your life. Oh, ding! I got a text message. Um, creating a business plan for your life 
um, as an actor is really, really, really important. Um, and that doesn't mean you need to like have a specific five-year plan that, you know, if you don't hit all of those things, if you're not on Broadway in five years, you failed. No, that's not how this works. We don't know what Broadway is going to look like in five years, guys. Broadway could be live streamed to your local cinema every night instead of being here. You know, who knows? So don't set goals and then be mad that you don't achieve them when the game and the craft and the career has changed. I'm not telling you to do that. But having specific um, knowledge of self, specific knowledge of desire, and then having someone in your life to hold you accountable for it, so important, right? It's the most important. Accountability to self and to other is the only way you are going to get shit done. And you can't ask someone to be accountable if you don't know what your plan is, right? I mean, that's just kind of common knowledge. So, you know, I say this knowing that one of the big things that I do is work one-on-one -on -one with clients on how to figure out what that plan is or being an accountability buddy or how to figure out what your worldview is, what does that even mean. Um, however, I'm here if you want to talk about it. If you do not want to talk to me, there are plenty of incredible people in this city who are trying to be helpers. Also, call your mom. Call your dad. Call your friend. Call your college professor. There are lots of people in your life who I guarantee want nothing more than to help you be happy, whole, and complete. But you have to ask for it, man. You have to ask for it. And you can't ask unless you know what it is. So take the time. Make that business plan for your life. If you don't want to call it a business plan, don't call it a business plan. If you want to call it some sort of like happy thought journal, do that. Great. I feel great about it. But you have to think about these things. Um, if you want to move forward and be productive and get the things that you want, Right? I feel like that makes sense. Um, does anybody else, else, what is happening? Is it this tea? Maybe I should drink more. Um, does anybody else have any questions for me? I see that you're out there, and I see that you've been with me today. I'm so grateful for all these thumbs ups and hearts today. Um, hey, Marissa Rosen. Hi, friend. Um, talk about someone who's just like passionate and has a plan and has a brand. Marissa Rosen, honey. If you don't know who she is, she is a force to be reckoned with. Mm. Um, and someone with a very specific point of view, a very specific voice, and a very um, full heart to be a helper. She's also someone who does a lot with um, helping you figure out kind of like a brand identity. And so she's someone to look up if you are looking for a helper that's not me. Marissa Rosen. She's pretty great. Um, anybody out there have any questions for me? I'd be so grateful to take them. It has just been me chatting for 30 minutes, uh, which I can keep doing. I'm here for you. Um, oh, great. I got, what does this say? Oh, wonderful. Ben, that's awesome. Um, congratulations on the play, and I so hope to see you at some point in the near future. Uh, great. So um, I do have one more thing that I'm going to keep talking about, and if I don't get any questions from you guys, I think I am going to go because 30 minutes of my voice is just, you know, it's a lot of talking. Do you see my mug? Be the Leslie Nope of whatever you do. That's my favorite thing. Leslie Nope knows. She knows everything. I truly actually believe she knows everything on how to live a life. Um, okay, so the one other thing that I really want to talk about, uh, I saw my friend Ryan Speakman, who is a wonderful artist, posted a post this week about artists showing up for other artists. And I really, really, really want to talk about it because it's not the first time that I've seen this kind of discussion happening. And I think it's really important that someone talk about it. I am also pretty sick 
of people saying, oh, I want to come see your thing, or oh, that sounds awesome, let's meet up, or oh, that class sounds cool, maybe I'll sign up for it, and then there's no follow-through. This is something that I am seeing more and more as a trend amongst artists in New York. First and foremost, I completely understand that the market is saturated. We are all trying to make our hustle, create our thing, create our art, do the things. However, more and more and more and more, it seems like people only want to show up for things if they're going to get something out of it. Now, I am the first person to say, if you are not feeling something, if you are tired, if you need to stay home and self-care, you need to do all of those things. And at some point, I completely validate that. But you cannot expect people to support you if you are not doing the work to support them. And support looks like a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily mean, mean being a butt in the seat, though that's always nice. Sometimes you physically cannot be a butt in the seat. But it's taking the time to like things. It's taking the time to send someone an email saying, hey, cool, that's really brave of you. You're doing something really awesome and I really appreciate it. It's forwarding someone's thing onto somebody else who you think might benefit from it. It's being the web. I like to talk about this a lot and I think it's really important. Don't be the spider, be the web. Now I know the spider is the thing that creates the web that connects everything and I completely validate that that's important as well. But it's just as important to be the string that connects everything. This is how we support artists and this is how we create change. You have to be that piece of the web that is constantly connected to other people and other artists making art. If you don't, it all falls apart and you are just blowing in the wind. And I have a lot of clients and a lot of friends and a lot of people in this industry are like, I'm so sick of this flighty shit. I'm so sick of it where people like say they want to be a part of something and then they don't. And listen, I'm the first person to say like, we've all done it, myself included. I'm not trying to say I'm some sort of like halo wearing angel. But we do have to show up for each other. We have to, even when we don't get something out of it. A, you never know what you're going to get out of it later down the line. Truly. People that I met in the city 12 years ago, I didn't know I'd be doing what I'm doing now. And I reach out and ask people to help. I do, you know, I get jobs because of connections I made 12 years ago. Like, you don't know. Show up. Show up. Why have we stopped showing up? If you say you're going to be somewhere, be somewhere. If you say you want people to support you, support other people. If you say art is the most important thing in your life, don't go to the bar, go see art. Go make art. Go show up for your friend. Put your money where your mouth is. If you want people to put their money where their mouth is. It's so important and we're just kind of like brushing this under the rug like, oh well, there's just so much. Okay, well there's seven days a week and if you work nights, there are other ways to support people than going to shows. And um, support looks like a lot of things. Support looks like bringing chicken soup to someone when they're sick. Support looks like helping people move, helping other artists move. Support looks like folding flyers. Support looks like pressing like on Facebook. It takes two seconds. Two seconds. But you know, and I know, it feels really good when someone does it. Really flippin' good. So I just wanted to kind of reinforce that conversation that, um, 
Ryan started the other day, and I was just like, amen, honey, amen. I just want to encourage you all to show up and do the work because it's just so important, and art doesn't get made in a vacuum. We know this. So that's my little preachy moment. So it seems like this Office Hours Live was just Kate Lumpkin talking about some opinions she's cultivated over the last two weeks. It's 6.35, and I haven't gotten any more questions, so I am going to sign off. If you have any more questions for me, uh, please feel free this week to shoot me an email. Um, oh, just kidding. I got one more question. Hold on, friends. So it's the summertime, and I'd love to change my hair, but I just got headshots done not too long ago. But if I change my hair, does that mean I have to get brand new headshots, or does that mean that uh, mush if my hair is darker than my headshot? Okay. Great. Um, so, wait one second. Um, okay, so Ashley, first and foremost, congratulations on the hair change. Hair is awesome. Hair should be changed. Hair is beautiful. Here's what I will say. Um, the thing about headshots and why they are so important to have them look like you is when you leave the room, um, and we're like doing that thing at the end of the day where we're looking at like the people we're considering and we're trying to kind of figure things out. Um, things happen. People have left the space during your audition. Um, we've seen other women who look like you, other men who look like you, whatever it is. Um, and so when we're trying to play this kind of like shuffle the potato, shuffle the headshots game, it's just so important that when I look at that picture, when the creative team looks at that picture, they say, oh yeah, that's, that's Ashley, that's, you know, that's Brooke, that's whoever, that's the person who sang that song. Um, so if you're going to make a drastic, drastic hair change, uh, I think it is important to have a picture that looks like you. However, it is summer and audition season is pretty slow in theater. It's still very, very, very in TV. TV never stops. TV is always going. So if you're going in for, you know, film and TV auditions, nine times out of ten, that it's a digital headshot. Um, so you don't have to get things printed. Uh, so perhaps um, getting new shots and just having digital edits of them, which is cheaper, um, might be something to think about. Uh, the other truth is if it's summer and it's slow and you're not going to too many auditions, uh, maybe I just wouldn't worry about it. Um, I say that with a ton of love and respect, knowing how expensive headshots are, um, how expensive they are to print, um, and how frustrating it is that you feel like you can't take control over your own body sometimes because of financial purposes, because of the industry. So I totally hear you and see you and value you. You do you with your hair. Just know the reason that it's important for you to look pretty much just like your headshot is for that kind of moment at the end. Um, where we're trying to discuss what's happened in the space during the day and trying to make some choices and trying to make some piles and, you know, all that flippity gibbet. Um, however, if it's not super drastic, like, not, if you didn't go from having, like, super long red hair all the way down to your feet and now you have, like, a blonde pixie, maybe don't worry about it until audition season because the other truth is you don't know what you're going to want to look like during audition season, right? Like, you don't know what changes you're going to make. So... Um, just kind of some food for thought, but the other reality is if you want to get like a cheaper headshot session where you don't get any printed and you're only using them for uh, film and TV auditions where like the, the headshot is, is so important um, and the look is the thing a lot of the time, especially for commercial, um, for commercial auditions and things like that. So that's just kind of how I feel about that. Was that helpful, Ashley? I hope it was. Um, you're beautiful no matter what your hair looks like, girl. So I'm, I'm thrilled that you got a haircut.
Um, okay, friends, that was my last question. I am going to sign off now. If you have any questions this week, please feel free to uh, email me at katelumpkincasting at gmail.com. You can also now sign up for coachings with me online. You don't even have to talk to me. You can just do it on my appointment scheduling system. Um, my coaching days are Tuesday and Thursdays every week, uh, unless I'm in session, and that stuff is all online. So feel free to go to my website, kate-lumpkin.com. If you go to the coaching page, there's a thing that says book an appointment, and you can just click it and book your own time. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to find my, uh, my Facebook page and send me a message there. I will try to get back to you as soon as I can. My door is always open, my heart is always open, and my ears are always open. So if you have any questions, feel free to send them my way. I think, as usual, you are all brave and fabulous and interesting and thoughtful human beings. We live in scary, scary times this week, yesterday. All of this has just been a reminder that art is vital. Education through personal understanding is the most important thing you can hope to do in this world. So please keep on keeping on. Keep writing, keep singing, keep creating. And even if you're not getting permission from other people to do it, screw it. Share it because there's never been a more important time. Okay? I love you all. I think you're all incredible humans. And I will see you next week for office hours at 6 o'clock on Sunday.